0: And answers. The Bible references rewards that will be given to those who believe in Christ. But what are these rewards and where can we find this in Scripture? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics. The Defense of the Christian Faith. In this episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will be talking with pastor, author, and Christian apologist, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, as they discuss his latest book entitled Heavenly Rewards. Now, on to today's show.
1: You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Second Corinthians 5.10 states, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Well, is there a judgment day for believers in Christ? If so, what happens on that day? Will there be believers in heaven with greater rewards than others, or is everyone going to be equal? What are these heavenly rewards? With us today to answer these questions and more is Bible scholar, pastor, and author Dr. Mark Hitchcock pastor mark earned his phd from dallas theological seminary mark is a pastor of faith bible church in edmond oklahoma and an author of over thirty books on bible prophecy i have about twenty of them on my shelf or rather on my computer as digitizing goes today he'll be here to answer some of these questions and more so pastor mark welcome once again to evidence and answers
2: well thanks for having me again i really appreciate it and i appreciate your ministry
1: Yes, Mark, and now we're talking about your new book here called Heavenly Rewards. And Mark, tell us a little bit of why uh, you wrote and and speak so much on this topic of Heavenly Rewards.
2: Well, um, I've had the privilege to go and speak at prophecy conferences, different places. I pastor a church here in Edmond, Oklahoma, and uh, I also teach down at Dallas Seminary, but had the chance over the years to to go speak at some uh, uh, Bible prophecy conferences, and as I've done that, I've, I've spoken on a lot of different topics, and one of the topics I would regularly speak on was the idea of the judgment seat of Christ, or it's often called the Bema judgment, or I, I would often title it your, your final exam. And then my wife would go with me sometimes, and she would always tell me when I spoke on that topic that more people came to her and made comments than, any, than anything else I spoke on. And I sensed that as well when I would talk about this, that it really reverberated uh, in the hearts and the lives of people. And so my wife encouraged me um, here a, a few years ago that I needed to take that basic message and kind of expand it and make it into a book. And so that's really how this book I've written came about, Heavenly Rewards. And just over time, I've found that this, again, is a topic that, you know, reverberates in people's hearts. It really resonates with them. You know, it's a biblical topic. It's one that that's very challenging, I think, but it also can be very comforting to us. So Um, I found it to be that way in my own life. It's a great motivator, a great incentive for the Christian life. So that's kind of, you know, the genesis of the book and kind of my own interest in this. I just think it's a very important topic, and I think it's one that's very neglected in Christianity today as well. So I think it's something important for us to talk about and know about as believers.
1: Now, some Christians might be surprised to hear
2: that there is going to be a judgment day
1: for believers in Christ. Tell us, what's the difference between this Judgment
2: Day for believers and that for unbelievers. Well, the judgment for believers is spoken of in 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And when Paul says we, he's including himself in that. So I think he's including himself and all believers. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But you're right, there's another judgment at the end of the age. There are several judgments, but the final judgment at the end of the age for unbelievers is called the great white throne judgment. And it's there that unbelievers will be resurrected at the end of the age. They'll be brought forth. And they're going to be, it says there in that passage, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Um, So, you know, everybody that's listening is going to appear at one of those two judgments. They're either going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ as a believer in Christ, or at the great white throne as an unbeliever. But it does surprise some people when they hear, well, as believers, we're going to be judged because they'll say, well, I thought we were never going to be judged by God. Well, we're not going to be judged for our sins. Uh, That's the way I understand it anyway. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, you know, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we appear before the judgment seat, or literally it's the Bema seat, the Bema judgment of Christ, it's not going to be to determine whether we get into heaven or not. Uh, That was already determined when we trusted in Christ. Uh, The issue at the the judgment seat is not where we will spend eternity, but how we're going to spend eternity. And uh, the issue there is not going to be to condemn us, but to commend us, if you will. Um, It's not going to be to punish us. It's going to be to praise us uh, for the things we've done. So at the Bama seat or the judgment seat as believers, our lives are going to be uh, reviewed and evaluated, and then we're going to get rewards or lack of rewards based on what we've done. And Again, for those who don't know the Lord, at the great white throne judgment, the only issue there will be their degrees of punishment. Uh, there will be different degrees of punishment, just as there will be different degrees of reward. But all those who don't know Christ and rejected him who appear at that great white throne, uh, they're all going to be cast in the lake of fire. And that's in Revelation chapter 20, uh, verses 11 through 15. And that's probably the most sobering scene really in the whole Bible.
1: Yes. You know, if you find yourself at the end of the age standing before a bema seat, that's a good thing. If you find yourself at the end of the age looking at a great white throne, well, then it's all over. You know, that's not a good thing. You don't want to be at it that is. one. Yeah, That's well, right. Well, Mark, you know, what difference, you know, does heavenly rewards make? I mean, many Christians out there are sitting. well, I'm just happy to go to heaven. I don't really care about these rewards.
2: No, that's right. A lot of people have that idea. And so when you start talking about rewards, they'll say, well, I don't care what job I have there, what I'm doing, you know, and certainly it is true. It's going to be infinitely better to be in heaven, no matter what rewards we receive or don't receive, than it is going to be to be in hell. So there's no doubt about that. But I think whenever people say, well, I don't care about rewards or it doesn't matter to me, one of the problems of that is really, in many ways, it's an insult to God, because we have to remember the whole idea of rewards in heaven is God's idea it's not our idea God's the one who speaks about it and I in the book I've got a, there in the first chapter a list long list of verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about rewards um you know the apostle Paul in in Philippians chapter 3 says you know forgetting the things that are behind i press on towards the mark you know at the, towards the prize at the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is laboring for a, a prize. Um, in Hebrews 11, it tells us that Moses you know, gave up the riches of Egypt and to suffer reproach because he was looking for the reward. And so there are many cases in the Bible of models for us looking for future reward. Now we'll talk in a little bit, I'm sure, about what those rewards are, but whatever the rewards are in heaven, they must be far beyond our ability to ever even imagine, because God tells us here in this life to sacrifice for them, uh, to labor for them, uh, to work in view of them, and so I believe that heaven is going to be vastly different for different believers, and every believer will be there, but what we do in heaven, what we do for all of eternity, is being determined by how we live now, and so You know, people say, well, you know, serving for rewards just seems kind of like a mercenary spirit. You know, you're kind of just laboring for a prize or whatever. Um, Certainly our, our main motivation to serve God is because of love for him and gratitude for his grace in our lives. But another motivation that God gives us is these rewards. And so whatever they are, they must be great. And we need to trust God that they're going to be that good. And that we need to labor in light of them because God's told us to do that. And just one other thing, you know, they, what's ultimately behind these rewards is if you get a reward, it means that you pleased God. It means my life was pleasing to God. And that's the ultimate thing that we want to do is to please him. So really what the reward is, what it will be, is ultimately a sign uh, that my life and that what I did was pleasing to God. And that's the, to be the ultimate goal of the life of every believer.
1: Yes, and it's also You know, a motivation to every believer, the man who cleans up the church late at night so everybody can worship on Sunday, and nobody sees what he does. It's a motivation for him that God sees, and God will indeed reward this man, the man who sells his car so that someone can go to missions. And nobody knows what he has done, and he may think, well, you know, my work is just in vain. No one's grateful, no one's thankful. Well, God sees, and God will reward Things that we do even though nobody else sees so that's a great motivation as well
2: well it is you know and I think that again you know God is just and God is righteous and so every believer can't be the same in heaven because like as you've just said you have a lot of people who profess to be Christians who really don't do a lot for the Lord they don't really sacrifice much they don't give much they don't spend a lot of their time serving they kind of live life for themselves and you have other people that pour out their life in service to God and that God is just, there's going to be degrees of punishment in hell. We know that from several things Jesus said. But in the same way there's going to be degrees of reward in heaven, we can't be the same. You know, God's just, he's righteous, and he's watching what we're doing. You know, A lot of people do look at little things they do, and you know, they think, well, God's not going to give me much reward. But I love the, the quote by Hudson Taylor when he says, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. And when we're faithful in the little things God calls us to do, that's a big thing.
1: Yes, you know, and as I talk to believers around the world, many who are persecuted and suffer tremendously for Christ, countries nobody hears about, nobody hears their story of the incredible sacrifice that they made, for them, heavenly rewards is much more meaningful,
2: uh, I notice,
1: than for us here in the United States.
2: No, that's right, and the, the Bible talks about the crown of life that's going to be given to those who patiently suffer. And uh, they endure through that. There's a special crown that will be given, uh, the, something called the sufferer's crown. And uh, so God is going to take everything into account. You know, God knows everything. He knows every thought. He, you know, God even knows the abilities that we have. He knows the opportunities we have. God's going to take all that into account. And whatever reward we get, it's going to be just and it's going to be right. And when you look at people who are in other parts of the world who are suffering in ways we can't even imagine, I think we're not going to be jealous when we get to heaven and see them getting the rewards they're getting. I think we're going to be there cheering them on and applauding uh, what God has done through their lives.
1: Yeah, now it's surprising, I think, for a lot of people to hear what you said, that everyone won't be equal in heaven. I mean, it's not a socialist community where everybody you know, yeah. is in a white robe and everyone's exactly the same. Now, tell us what you mean by that. I mean, does it mean we're not equal or... God loves the ones with greater rewards more, or or what is that?
2: Well, we're equal in our standing before God, just as we are now. Um, We're all equal. We're all created in God's image, but... You know, some people can have great musical gifts that I don't have some people are you know brilliant in science and mathematics you know that, that I don't have so everybody's equal but we have different abilities different gifts uh, different outlooks now, when we get to heaven someday we're not going to be equal in the sense that I think there's several indications in the Bible of this that the Bible talks about crowns there's five different crowns that are mentioned and they will be given to us and back in that day when you competed in the games like the Olympic Games or what were called the Ithsmian games if you Came in. If you're the winner, you got a crown. Now they didn't get, you know, a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal like in the Olympics today, uh, but they would get a crown, and it would be uh, made out of oak leaves or parsley or something like that. So it was, a, it was a corruptible crown. It was temporary. It was perishable. And the Bible says, you know, we'll, we'll receive imperishable crowns. And of course, in, in Revelation 11, it says we take those crowns and we cast them at the feet of Jesus. I don't think that means then that we lose our rewards. I think we'll still have the effect of those rewards for all of eternity, but it simply means we cast them at his feet in the sense that we give him the glory and the honor for that. But not everybody will get those crowns. They're for different specific things. Um, There's also, it says in Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells a parable there about rewards. And he says that in the coming kingdom, and I think on into eternity, he says some will rule over 10 cities, some will rule over five cities. We're going to be slotted, if you will, into different positions of administrative authority in the kingdom, the, the thousand-year reign, the millennial kingdom of Christ on earth, and then on to the into the eternal kingdom, based on our faithfulness in this life. Um, I heard an old preacher years ago talk about our lives today, and he said, you know, this is training time for reigning time. And, uh, you know, we're training Good. now to reign in the future. and. Again, it's going to be vastly different based on how we live now. And again, it's only just. I mean, if someone you know, wasn't faithful and, and wasn't sacrificing in how they live now, uh, they're going to have less responsibility and less authority in the coming kingdom. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2 and 3, that we're going to judge the angels. So we're going to have great authority in the future. And so it's going to be different depending on what we did in this life. And then one other thing is we're going to have a different degree, I believe, of the ability to reflect the glory of God. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it talks about those who lead the many to righteousness will shine like the stars in heaven forever. And it, it seems to have this idea of a greater shining or glory. I like what Warren Wiersbe said years ago. He said, in heaven, everyone's cup will be full, but some people's cups will be larger than others. And I think that's a good way to put it. You know, we're not going to, you know, no one's going to go around saying, man, you know, my cup's only half full or three quarters full. Everybody will have a full cup. But some of us will have bigger cups than others in heaven. And we'll all know that God's judgment has been right and has been just, you know, based on what he's done. So, you know, how we live now is going to affect our life for all of eternity. And, uh, again, it, it's faith in Christ that determines where I'm going to go But it's how I live after that that determines how I will live there and what I'll do. Right. And what you
1: mentioned there is the relationship, you said, is key for Christians to understand, the relationship between faith and good works. Yeah, as believers, good works are important, but not in order to gain salvation, but as a result of our salvation. I expand on that a little bit.
2: Well, yeah, I, call, I like to call it kind of two different things. You have, you have our redemption, and then you have rewards. And redemption is by a belief. It's by, by faith alone and Christ alone. Rewards are by our behavior after, our, after we believe, after we become a believer. So we're not saved in any way by our own merit, but totally by the mercy of Christ. We're not saved by our doing, but by his dying. And so our works have nothing to do with where we spend eternity, with our salvation, with our redemption. You know, a verse I'm sure you've quoted many times on the, the program, but Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So if the Bible is clear about anything, it's clear about the fact that works and merit have nothing to do with our salvation, our redemption before God. But then chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians goes on and says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by God's grace through faith unto good works. So the good works become after we're a believer as we live a life then empowered by the Spirit to please God and to please Christ. So we have to keep those two lines of truth, I call them, very clear in their distinctions Redemption and rewards or salvation and rewards, how they're both attained and achieved and how they fit into our salvation.
1: Yes, uh, that's key to understand. Now, let's talk a little bit more about this Bema Seat judgment here for the believer. Now, when will this judgment, the Bema Seat judgment, when will it take place?
2: Well, my view is, again, and I believe in what's called the pre-trib rapture. So everybody believes if you're a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus is coming back. And there's differences of opinion about when Christ will come in relation to the seven-year tribulation period. And the view that I hold is called the pre-tribulation rapture view, that Christ will come back before the time of tribulation. In other words, he could come at any moment, and he can catch us away and take us to heaven. And so my view is that it's right after we're caught up to heaven at the rapture, that's when the Bema judgment or this judgment seat occurs. And I get that from 1 Corinthians 4, 5, where Paul says, you know, don't go on uh, judging uh, before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will bring the light to things hidden in darkness. He'll disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. So you notice there, it says, when the Lord comes, he's going to disclose the motives of men's hearts and so on. So it's when Christ comes that this will happen. So I believe that, one of these days, the trumpet's going to sound, uh, the, 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 we're going to have the shout of the archangel, we're going to be caught up to heaven, all of us, and those who've died is, uh, during this church age will be resurrected. And the first order of business when we get to heaven will be for each one of us as believers to stand and take our place before the Lord and uh, to be evaluated and have our life as a believer reviewed. Now, I don't think we're going to be reviewed for things that happened before we became a Christian because you know that that was before we even had the power to even serve God in any way and again as i said earlier i don't think it's going to be have, have anything to do with our sins but we'll stand before him then to be reviewed so, so my view would be it's during it's in heaven after the rapture while the tribulation's period's going on down on earth and then at the end of that time we'll be presented to Christ Um, As the bride, we'll have what's called the the marriage of the Lamb. And then we'll return with Jesus back to earth at his second coming. And then the millennial kingdom, Christ's reign on the earth, will be what's called the marriage supper, uh, where the marriage of Christ to his bride will be celebrated during that time. So anyway, that's a little bit more than answering that question, but hopefully that'll give the listeners a little bit of a panorama of kind of where where things are going.
1: Yeah, so Mark, if the Bema Seed judgment occurs at the rapture, what about those who have died? The rapture hasn't occurred yet. What about those who have died and are in heaven? Do they have to wait for their rewards until the rapture?
2: No, my view is is that one of these days, you know, again, everybody who's on earth, you know, uh, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 16 and 17, he says, you know, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain. will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So if, a, if someone dies today who's a believer and uh, their bodies placed in the ground, and they the, the immaterial part of that person, the soul, the spirit, goes immediately to be with Christ. And at the rapture, when it takes place, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. That's talking about their body. Their body is going to be resurrected and be rejoined with their perfected spirit. It's going to be an immortal, imperishable, incorruptible body. Those of us who are alive, we're going to get that imperishable, immortal, incorruptible body in a split second of time without dying. So. Those who've died in Christ and those who are alive in Christ then will all appear, I think, together at the judgment seat of Christ. So at the rapture of the living, there will also be a resurrection of the deceased believers at that time. And so all of us will appear together there at the judgment seat.
1: Yeah, so those who have died and they're in heaven now, what state are they in?
2: Well, there's two different views, two main views. Some believe that when a person dies during this age, before their body's resurrected, they have a temporary body um, they base that a lot of people do on second Corinthians chapter five and when this tent you know that we live in is torn down. we have a building from God, in other words, there's a temporary body before the final body's resurrected now i don 't hold that view. I take it that when someone dies until they get their resurrected body, they live in a disembodied state now, that kind of freaks some people out you know <laughs> but we you know all we know is his corporeal existence, you know, but, but he says there in 2nd Corinthians 5, he says, yeah, I'd rather be clothed upon than be naked. And so the idea of being naked, I think means temporarily being without a body. So, but, you know, I I do think you'll say a person dies today and they go to be with the Lord and the rapture doesn't happen for 10 more years. You know, time will go quickly in heaven. You know, the old saying is, you know, time flies when you're having fun, uh, you'll be in heaven. I mean, it's going to go quickly that disembodied state, and then, you know, their, their body will be resurrected and be reunited with their perfected spirit. But, you know, if it makes people feel better to think we're going to have a, a temporary body uh, during that period of time so we're not disembodied, there's certainly biblical, biblical warrant for that. But I just think the, the majority of the evidence favors the idea of being disembodied during that time.
1: Now, at the Bema seat, how will Jesus judge us? I mean, what will be the criteria for his judgment there?
2: Well, there's a lot of things uh, that are mentioned, and in, in the book I've written called Heavenly Rewards, I go through about 14 or 15 things uh, that God is going to judge us for, that, that Jesus is going to judge us for. And I like this because if you read the Bible, if you want to get a copy of the book and, and read through and look at these things, these are the test questions, really, if you will, that God has given us ahead of time. It's like if you're taking an exam at school and the teacher tells you, hey, you know, the test is tomorrow, but let me give you the questions tonight so you can go home and review. Well, you know, you'd be thinking, man, this is great. You'd be writing them down you know, furiously to get these questions ahead of time. And God's given us the different criteria, the different test questions, if you will. And I'll just mention a few of them, and then if you want to drill down on a few others, we can do that. But one is how we treat other believers. It says in Hebrews 6.10 that God's not unjust to forget our work and the love that you've shown toward his name, having ministered to and still ministering to the saints. He says, look, if you minister to God's people, God won't forget what you do. Um, It's going to be a reward. And it's tragic. Sometimes in the church, and the body of Christ, we don't treat other believers like we should. One of the things God's going to look at is how do I treat my fellow believers? Do I love them and care about them? The other one is how generous we are with our money. Uh, you know, there's an old saying that you you can't take it with you, but according to the Bible, you can send it on ahead. Uh, you wow. know, Jesus said that, you know, store it for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also.
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold a conference, give him a call. That number locally in Hawaii is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukran.